Chapter 29 of Mabel Ross, The Sewing Girl. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 29 Work, Work, Work in the Dull December Light. Before this little talk came to an end, Mabel had arranged her sewing machine and commenced working on her vests. Recently put under the influence of a large dose of morphine, and with her mind diverted through the novel occurrence of the visit of the stranger, Lily continued for some hours without return of her more acute suffering, and Mabel was thus little interrupted during the remainder of the evening. Through the long night hours she worked steadily on, having administered another dose to the child, and the gray of morning, rendering dim and rayless her lamp, found her still busily employed. Overtasked nature would then bear no more, and she threw herself on the bed, where she was presently in a sound slumber. When Hilda waked at the customary hour, she found Mabel still sleeping. In opposition to directions given her by the latter, instead of waking her, she took every care to avoid breaking the rest which she knew was so much needed, busying herself, as quietly as possible, in getting ready the simple breakfast. "'You'll give me some eggs for breakfast, Hilda?' whispered Lily, who, contrary to Hilda's expectation, had wakened without complaint. "'There's not an egg in the basket, darling,' Hilda replied, having looked into the receptacle mentioned. "'But I want some,' rejoined the child, a little fretfully. "'I haven't had an egg for ever so long, and tomorrow's Christmas.' "'You haven't been well enough to eat them, dear Lily.' "'Yes, but I'm better now.' and I want eggs ever so much. Mabel will send you for some when she wakes, I know. She always does let me have eggs when I want them. Hilda said nothing further. She was thinking of eggs at forty-five cents a dozen, and wondering whether Mabel would not, for once, deny the child her wish, in consideration of the importance of not shortening yet further the amount laid by for their landlord. The breakfast ready, she passed round to the bed where Mabel lay, intending to waken her. But the worn expression, which, even in sleep, set on the pale features of her sister, arrested her attention, and she stood for a while thoughtfully regarding her. Yielding then to one of those impulses which governed her, Hilda dropped on her knees beside the bed, burying her face in the bedclothes, but even then she could not shut from view the touching picture before her of her loved sister, the devoted Mabel, who so uncomplainingly toiled to keep in decency their little family. The mute features, stilled in sleep, seemed to reproach her, as waking they had never done, for the small part she took in the day and night toil. She had slumbered on her bed while the loving sister worked, she was about to commence a day of comparative ease, while poor Mabel struggled to earn that little which, with a little more, was to keep them yet a while from want. How often had Mabel said her sister had done her best, that she had no fault to find with her? But looking in her own heart, as she did now, Hilda found much to contradict the affectionate assurance the reproaches which had come to her on her homeward route of yesterday were yet more heavy on her now, and through the self-condemning spirit which filled her, 
she seemed to see enough in her own want of humble looking to a higher power to thwart the beautiful submission of the loving Mabel. Even the baby Lily is wiser in those things than I, was her thought. Even she has gone forward on the road dear mother tried to lead us to. I alone of all have held back. How cold were my prayers of last night, though after the bitter lesson taught me of the morning! How cold to what they ought to have been, and how proud and stubborn my heart! Oh, how am I to become what I want to be? How am I to get to feel that happy confidence dear Mabel feels that God is surely working all things well for us? Yes, even at a time like this, when trouble seems coming on every side. The answer was in the heart to which the question was put, and Hilda was presently addressing to her God such earnest petitions for his grace as she had never yet sent forth. The murmured words alone would scarcely have reached the ears of the sleeping Mabel, but the smothered sobs which accompanied them effectually roused her. One glance at the kneeling form beside her sufficed to explain all. But she refrained from even laying her hand on the bowed head of the young girl, though her heart dictated the movement. When Hilda at length whispered to her that it was time to arise, Mabel gave no intimation that she had witnessed the little scene beside her, though her heart was overflowing with joy at thought of it. Little Lily presently put in her plea for eggs, and Hilda looked anxiously at Mabel. "'She must have them,' said the latter, in reply to the look, "'and I'm happy to know she is so much better as to want them. Poor child! Did they cost twice as much, I would not deny her.' It took Hilda full twenty minutes to go to the nearest grocery store and back. On her return, she burst into the room in an excitement which startled both her sisters. Oh, Mabel, she exclaimed, I'm to hurry through with the shirts quickly as possible, for there's the finest chance I've ever had waiting for me. Mary Griffin just left me at the corner, and she says there's a standing advertisement in one of the daily papers for a hundred girls to work on vests and pants at pension companies on Lake Street. But for the shirts, I'd apply for the place this very morning. Mary Griffin herself is going today, and there are plenty of girls leaving other places to go, for it's a large store, and they know there'll be good pay and everything right. Mabel expressed her delight at this good news, and little Lily, too, clapped her hands, though it was evidently with a great effort she did so. You may clap your hands, Lily, dear cried Hilda, for my meeting with Mary has turned out something for you. Only it must be a secret for a little while. I've been dreadfully extravagant, Mabel, she added in an aside to her sister, for see, I got this, a whole dime it cost for Lily's stocking. She must have some Christmas, you know, but then in a few days, I'll be in this place at Pinch's, and Mary Griffin says she wouldn't wonder if he pays from four to six dollars a week, just to think, as it's such a respectable firm and has out such a big advertisement. 
And so excited was Hilda at prospect of being employed by this Mr. Pinch and Company that she came very near turning over on herself the kettle of boiling water while extracting from it the eggs destined for little Lily's breakfast. It was with a happy heart Mabel placed before the latter the small tray, with the eggs, biscuit, and good hot tea. During the past few days, the child had been too ill to have even the slight appetite ordinary with her and Mabel hailed with joy the present appearance of a favorable change. But short time indeed could the devoted girl indulge in the pleasing thought. Lily turned from her breakfast with a look of distress. "'I can't eat the eggs,' she said, tears forcing themselves to her eyes. "'I think they'll make me bad again.' "'They may do you good, my darling. Just try this one, Lily.' Lily shook her head, with a grieved glance at her sister. "'I can't even try,' she replied. "'Take away the tray, Mabel.' "'What, with the nice hot tea and crackers? Won't you even take the tea, Lily?' "'No, no, oh, Mabel, take it all away.' Mabel did so, then returned to the bed, where she found Lily with the spread over her face to conceal that she wept. "'Are you in pain, my dear Lily?' "'No, no,' sobbed the child, giving way to more violent weeping. "'But I'm unhappy, because, because I've been naughty.' "'You have not been naughty, my darling. Don't cry, but uncover your face and look up.' "'Oh, but I was naughty,' cried the little penitent. I knew you had money to spare for the eggs, yet I let you get them, and now I can't eat them, and I'm so sorry. No good angel will come to me. No good angel will love me. It required considerable effort on the part of Mabel to tranquilize her patient, whose condition, as she now saw, was by no means the improved one she had believed. At length, Lily lay once more quiescent, if not at ease. Mabel then hastened to her sewing machine, for some time in the hands of Hilda, who worked in a sort of frenzied way at her shirts, that she might the sooner be at leisure to accept one of those hundred positions offered Chicago sewing girls by the respectable firm of Pinch and Company. Before night came, Little Lily was again in the suffering condition she had labored under during the several past days, and again was everything forgotten by her faithful nurse, save ministering as far as was in her power to the little one's relief. That night it was Hilda who worked and Mabel who rested, the former having persisted in persuasions to her sister until this arrangement was effected. Bravely, the young girl struggled through that long night against the inclination to sleep which must otherwise have overpowered her, but she nerved herself by the thought of the many weary nights Mabel had done but what she was doing now, and of the courageous Peggy Bonner, who toiled through that night of terrible cold until overtaken by death himself at her task. There were other thoughts than these making brave Hilda's heart. She was striving to imitate Mabel in Christian virtues, as well as in her persevering industry, and she already experienced some of the reward sure to follow such efforts. A something of the inspirating hope which had long sustained Mabel was now her own, 
and it lightened her heart and lightened her toil, and morning at length peeped in at the window, finding her still busy over her work. Weary she was, indeed, weary and aching in every limb, but neither desponding, as of old, nor harboring harsh thoughts of those who seemed to stand in the way of her own and her sister's prosperity. She could only think with pity rather than anger of her cousin Algin, who so boldly, as Hilda had said to her, clung to a falsehood, and who seemed, by her wrong to her cousin's orphaned girls, to dare the hand of an avenging providence. Hilda thought of herself as she had stood before her cousin a morning or two before. She thought of her words touching her cousin's children, the four, corresponding in number with those left by her own mother, and remembering the paling cheek and trembling hand of her listener, she felt assured the words had sunk deep. Not for all Cousin Algin's wealth, she thought, would I have in my heart the sting those words must have left. No, no, if we are poor, we have at least no such wrongdoing to burden our consciences. God has been merciful to us, far, far more merciful than to her. It was Christmas morning that looked in at the little window. A Christmas Day sun, which presently followed, touching with its first pale rays the head of the young girl as she sat bending over her work. Yes, Christmas Day had dawned, but it brought no holiday, no recreation to the little family in that humble room, no gay mingling of friends, no cheering gifts, no Christmas, as Hilda had said to her cousin. Yet even thought of this caused no bitter feeling to Hilda, as she looked up and saw that it was indeed sunlight that gleamed upon her, that she had worked the whole night through, and was still waking to meet the dawn. She rose noiselessly as possible. Mabel should sleep yet a while longer. She needed more rest after the previous night's loss. And besides, wasn't it Christmas? A little murmur from Lily's bed drew her attention, as she was about to throw herself beside Mabel, and she perceived in the little hands, just unclosed from their night's rest, the stocking with that solitary toy which was to make Lily's all of Christmas. But Lily's enjoyment of this pleasant surprise was but momentary. She was too ill to play with or handle her toy, too ill to care long even to look at it when Hilda placed it on the little table beside her. When Mabel wakened, a few minutes after, it was to see with grief that the child appeared more restlessly uncomfortable than she had yet been. Breakfast over, the two sisters busied themselves in advancing their several tasks, the morrow being Saturday, the day on which they hoped to have them finished. Lily had for some time been under the influence of that only medicine which brought her relief, and Mabel, engaged with her sewing machine, did not perceive that she had wakened, and lay with her head covered completely with the bedclothes. When, at length, Mabel approached and drew them down, it was a look of intense distress she saw on the face of her little charge. "'Please cover my ears, Mabel,' she pleaded. "'Put something in them, do. Cover them ever so close. "'Is it the sewing machine worries you, my darling?' "'Yes, Mabel, dear. I can't bear its whirr, whirr. Try as I might. It goes all the time to my back.' sharp and throbbing. 
Mabel did her best to deaden the hearing of the little sufferer, then returned once more to her work. Fifteen or twenty minutes passed, then a sharp cry rang from the bed. "'I can't! Oh, I can't bear it, Mabel!' cried the child, as her sister hastened again to her side. "'Maybe I don't hear it, with all these things in my ears, but I feel it, and that's worse. I heard it all night long in my sleep. It brought on such dreadful throbbings, and now it's making me worse than ever.' My darling shall be troubled no more. Don't be distressed, dear Lily. It is all over now. Mabel spoke very firmly, for she meant what she said. Cost what it might, she meant it. Mabel, is it naughty not to love the sewing machine? No, my darling. You are ill and cannot help its worrying you. Oh, but I used to love it so. You were better then, my darling Lily. And I used to love the mountain ash and the mignonette, and now I don't. I'm not sorry the mountain ash is all withered up, and I don't want the mignonette near me. Although it smells so sweet, dear Lily, it only worries me, Mabel. I love nothing now but you and Minnie and Hilda, and the good angels. Only, I'm all the time thinking the angels ain't pleased with me. But they certainly are, Lily. You are a good, suffering child, and they must love you. And will that one come soon again? The visitor of the first-floor lodger? I hope so, dearest. She said she would come. I wish she would. I love to hear her talk to you about angels and sick children, and then she called you sister-mother, and I loved that, too. Lily sunk into another slumber, but Mabel did not again start the wheel of the sewing machine. You will really give it up, Mabel? whispered Hilda. Yes, Hilda. The poor child shall be tortured no more. I will do handwork altogether, and you will get this place at pinches. None of these men will have handwork, Mabel. Then I will get custom work. I must get it, Hilda. I will try for it again tomorrow. The condition of this poor child will embolden me to make efforts that cannot fail of success. I have been thinking of one place you ought to go to, Mabel, said Hilda after a pause. I know where you mean and we'll go there tomorrow. Surely, surely they owe us some sympathy, if no other does. Yes, Hilda, I will try Mrs. Barrett. In the meanwhile, what is to be done about the rent? Neither the vests nor the shirts are finished, and with three dollars short, it is needless to go to old Brumbley. I'm pretty brave, but not brave enough for that. I will try and get something more on the watch. I've been thinking of it for some days past. Then we have part of our work finished, and that will bring us something. Hilda gravely shook her head. Unless quite finished, it is the same as nothing, she said. I've heard of just such cases, and the employers always refuse to pay for the unfinished work. And as to the watch, I don't believe that man will give you another shilling on it. Still, I can try, Hilda. 
Early tomorrow I will go take home the vests and shirts. I will ask for the money on them, and if they will not give it to me, I cannot help it. Then I will go about the watch and do the best I can there. After that, I will visit Mrs. Barrett, and may succeed in getting from her a supply of work, or a promise of a supply, which will give me courage to meet our landlord, even with the three dollars short. End of chapter 29